Hey there, Kermaholics. It is your host, Kenzie. Welcome back for another Friday episode. I hope everybody enjoyed their week, and I hope that you guys enjoyed the last two episodes that we have shared from Dealing Justice and Military Murder. The hosts of those podcasts are amazing women within the true crime community who strive every day to be able to make a difference in people's lives. We have a really strong community here in the podcasting world when it comes to true crime, and we do the best that we can to always share each other's episodes so that way more names and more voices are getting heard amongst the true crime community. Holly and I both have had some major life transitions over the last two weeks, so we wanted to take advantage of that time to be able to share some of our favorite true crime podcasts with you guys. But this week, I am finally back, and I'm so excited to be here. But this week, I am sharing an episode that I have actually released before. This was an episode that I did when we were very, very new back in early 2020, And if you have been with us since that time, then you know when we first started, we really didn't know what we were doing. We had so much work to improve on. And over the last couple of years, we have absolutely done that. And some of those episodes from the beginning, we feel like we just didn't give them enough justice because we just weren't skilled yet at what we were doing. So I personally have been trying to go back and re-record some of the episodes that I have shared to hopefully be able to give them justice and really make sure that their information is getting out in the best way possible. So this Friday, I am sharing the story of Amber Hagerman. This is one of those cases that actually is more highly publicized, but I noticed as I asked more people about the Amber Alert, they actually were not specifically sure how the Amber Alert originated. So that is why I want to cover the unsolved murder of Amber Hagerman. Amber Hagerman was born on November 25, 1989 in Arlington, Texas. She was the daughter of Richard Hagerman and Donna Whitson, and she had a little brother named Ricky. Shortly after Ricky was born, Richard and Donna made the decision that it was best for them to separate. Ricky and Amber primarily lived with their mother Donna, and their father lived outside the state of Texas, so they didn't get to see him a whole lot. But the kids had a really close bond with their grandparents, Glenda and Jimmy, who lived there in Arlington, Texas. They often helped Donna with the kids because, as I know personally, being a single mom, it's not always easy, and sometimes you just have to have your family support. On January 12, 1996, around 3 p.m., Ricky, Donna, and Amber had arrived at the grandparents' house there in Arlington. As always, the grandparents were super excited to see the kids, even though they often saw them multiple times a week. When they arrived at the grandparents' house, it was just always hugs and lots of love. Amber and Ricky would often ride their bikes in the neighborhood, and as a child, Donna grew up in her neighborhood riding bikes and playing with the neighborhood kids and never had any issues, so she never had any fear for her kids doing the same. Donna told Amber and Ricky that they were not allowed to go any further than a block away, being that they are children and young children at that who often tend to push the boundaries when it comes to listening. Amber and Ricky did not listen to Donna when she said you can only go just one block away, and the two of them rode all the way to the local Winn-Dixie in their grandparents' neighborhood area. Amber wanted to go over to the local Winn-Dixie because behind the grocery store, they had the loading docks where the shippers would bring in the merchandise on the 
semis. Ricky knew that they were not supposed to be over there, so he kind of tells Amber, we shouldn't go over there. We need to head back home. But Amber tells Ricky that they'll just stay for a few minutes and go up and down the ramp a few times, and then they'll return home. So Ricky, being the baby brother, follows his big sister over to the Winn-Dixie, and the two of them are riding their bikes up and down the loading dock. Ricky all of a sudden gets a little spooked and tells Amber, I'm going to ride home. We need to go. I don't want to get in trouble by mom. But Amber is very insistent on staying there and playing on the loading dock. So she tells Ricky, fine, you head home. I'll be there in a few minutes. Ricky leaves the Winn-Dixie and he pedals himself back to his grandparents' house. When he arrives at the house, Donna notices right away that Amber is not with him. And she says, Ricky, where is Amber? And Ricky finally fesses up and says that the two of them rode their bike to the local Winn-Dixie and that they're playing on the loading dock and Amber stayed behind. Donna was really upset and furious and tells Ricky, get your butt on your bike, pedal down to the Winn-Dixie, get your sister and tell her to come home now. So Ricky did just that. By the time that Ricky arrives back to the Winn-Dixie, all he sees there is Amber's bike laying on the ground and she is nowhere in sight. This really scares Ricky, so he pedals as quick as he can back to his grandparents' house. When he gets there, he jumps off his bike, throws it on the ground, and runs up to his mom and starts crying and tells her that Amber was not at the Winn-Dixie and the only thing that he saw was Amber's bike laying on the ground. This sends all of them into a major panic and her grandpa Jimmy jumps in his truck and drives the two blocks down to the Winn-Dixie. When he arrives at the Winn-Dixie, he sees that there is two cop cars behind the grocery store near Amber's bike. Jimmy jumps out of his truck and informs the police that the bicycle laying on the ground belongs to his granddaughter and he's trying to find her. The police start to explain to Jimmy that there is an older man who lives just next to the Winn-Dixie in a two-story apartment and he called 911 to let them know that while he was out on his balcony watering his flowers, he saw a little girl riding up and down on the ramp, and out of nowhere, a pickup truck pulls up. A younger man gets out of the truck, grabs the little girl off her bike, and forces her into his truck. The man got super scared, but he is 80 years old, and he told the police there was no way I was going to be able to make it down from my second-story apartment, so I knew the best thing I could do at that point was to call 911 and report what I saw. With her grandpa, Jimmy, and complete shock the police tell him to head back to the home and that they would be there shortly to speak with Donna. After Grandpa Jimmy arrives back to the house, he is almost in complete denial about what has happened here, but he does his best to explain to Donna that her daughter was possibly kidnapped and the police would be there shortly to speak with her. Donna collapses into her dad's arms and is just screaming and telling him that there is no way that this is true. Within minutes, the police arrive at the home of Jimmy and Glenda, and they sit down with Jimmy, Glenda, and Donna, and they start asking them all sorts of questions, and it's almost coming off as if the police believe that whoever kidnapped Amber was within her family. The police believed that it was within the family because in Arlington, it wasn't likely that you heard of children just getting kidnapped outside of grocery stores. So the first person that they had looked into was a non-custodial parent, which was her father, Richard. But again, Richard lives outside the state of Texas and had a really strong alibi at the time of Amber's disappearance. And so the police ruled him out rather quickly. 
Amber's story hit headlines within the local media pretty quickly. Within hours, several different news stations were standing at her grandparents' front door, and they were asking Amber's mom to please come on the news to give any information that she could about her daughter. When Donna goes in front of the news cameras, she is begging and pleading for the safe return of her daughter. And you would think with the media showing up as quickly as they did and you're getting a story about a little girl who has just been taken by a complete stranger, your first thoughts would be that they would get this story out as quick as possible. But Amber's story did not air on the local news until seven hours after her abduction. Donna was just so upset that it took the media this long to get her daughter's information out there because she felt the quicker that their daughter's information gets out to the public, the quicker that she could be returned home safely. With Donna realizing that the media is not going to be as quick of a help as she thought they were going to be, she, Amber's family, and the locals in the Arlington area take on foot the search for Amber themselves. They were hanging up missing flyers on every single light and electric pole in the area. The police at this point are still believing that this was a family kidnapping, so they bring Donna in for questioning, and they give Donna a lie detector test, and they ask her... Did you have anything to do with Amber's disappearance? Do you know where Amber's at? Did you hurt her? But Donna assures them that she did absolutely nothing to her daughter, that they are wasting their time questioning her like this, and she just wants them to do their job and find her baby girl. And as you can assume, Donna passes that lie detector test with flying colors. So now the police are back to square one. Many tips and possible sightings of Amber and the older black Ford pickup that took her were turned over to the police, but nothing was credible and nothing was leading them into the direction of Amber, and her family was really beginning to lose hope that Amber was coming home safe. And unfortunately, they would be correct. Just four days after Amber's disappearance, a man from Arlington was walking his dog in a wooded area near a creek bed, and he stumbled across a body of a young, naked female. The body was found behind Forest Hills Apartments, which was located just less than five miles from the parking lot where Amber was last seen riding her bike. The body was positively identified as nine-year-old Amber Hagerman. The autopsy had showed that Amber had been badly beaten, sexually assaulted, and her throat was cut from one side to the other. As a mother myself, it is so hard to look at this kind of information and not get knots in your stomach that such a young baby had to endure something so horrible at the hands of another human. The police had explained that during those four days of Amber missing, there had been a really bad storm that had added extra water into the creek bed, which caused all of that water to flow heavier, washing away any crucial evidence that they may have been able to collect that would positively identify Amber's killer. Absolute shockwaves were sent through Amber's family in the local area, knowing that any evidence that they needed to find this man was not going to be found and that there was a man in their area running loose who sexually assaulted and murdered a child. Pretty quickly, every radio station in the Dallas-Fort Worth area was contacting Donna and asking her to come on and do an interview to share Amber's story. Donna was desperate for anybody to listen to what happened to her daughter because it's such a tragic situation. In the beginning, there was just not much media attention that could have saved her daughter's life that could 
have brought Amber home alive. During one of these interviews that they did on the radio show, a woman named Diane Simone had called in and said, if we have a broadcast system that is broadcasted nationwide to alert us about bad weather, why do we not have some sort of system where they would broadcast it nationwide to let us know that a child has been abducted? If we had some sort of system like this, we could save a number of children. The radio host of this radio show absolutely just loved this idea and ran with it. The radio host, Donna, and the police would all team together to develop an early warning system when a child is abducted and that broadcast system is now known as the amber alert it stands for america's missing broadcast emergency response which obviously was named after amber hagerman although this is an amazing idea and a number of children could be saved by this alert system by the end of 2001 only four states had the amber alert But in 2002, the White House held a conference on missing, exploited, and runaway children. And by this time, the Amber Alert emergency system had finally came into national focus. And by April 30th, 2003, President Bush had signed the PROTECT law into office, which provided the proper tools to create a nationwide system. And every state adapted the program. And technology has just taken off since the Amber Alert has started. So the Amber Alert no longer displays on radio stations. It's now on television you know that we can even get it to our cell phones everything has just boomed since the amber alert first started and the amber alert has saved so many children in fact it has saved 967 children in the united states Since the Amber Alert has been adapted, there has been other alerts created in order to help find missing people. For example, one of those alerts is called a Silver Alert, which notifies local communities when a senior citizen over the age of 65 who has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's is missing. There has been other alerts created beyond that because the Amber Alert has such specific rules when it comes to being able to have a nationwide broadcast out there when your child is missing. There has been several cases in the past who have tried to get some of the rules when it comes to the Amber Alert changed so that way when a child is missing they can get that broadcast out there immediately to be able to bring the child home safely. The most recent case that has tried to get the Amber Alert changed is the disappearance and death of Nailani Johnson. Nailani Johnson was just two years old when she was abducted in Pennsylvania and unfortunately was found deceased. Since then Nailani's mom has worked with Pennsylvania lawmakers in order to hopefully change the way the Amber Alert system is activated. As of right now, the Amber Alert system has very specific criteria in order for the alert to be activated. The Nailani Johnson rule is hoping to be able to change the criteria so that way it can be activated immediately. I did a little bit of digging into the Nailani Johnson rule and unfortunately it has not been passed yet, but it states, if a parent or family member reports that their child was abducted by a non parent or non-family member. There shall be a presumption absent immediately clear evidence to the contrary that the particularly vulnerable child is in immediate danger of seriously bodily injury or death and the missing endangered person advisory system shall be immediately activated without additional investigation prior to the activation of the Amber Alert system. It is so heartbreaking what happened to Amber Hagerman, but there has been so many children saved in her honor, and I hope that the Amber Alert system can improve one day so that many more children can be saved. 
Crimeaholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast, where I will have pictures of Amber and her family posted, along with information about the Amber Alert system. If you would like, you can also follow me personally at this is Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I underscore on Instagram. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care.